welcome to Living Your Best Life, a Parkinson's podcast with the Irish Examiner. I'm your host, Anne-Marie O'Connor, and we're here to mark Parkinson's Awareness Week with a five-episode special focusing on personal stories from the Irish Parkinson's community, the obstacles faced, challenges overcome, and tools used to live their best lives. On yesterday's episode, I chatted with Kate Wilkinson, a tireless advocate raising awareness of the disease both as a spouse and a carer. Today's guest, Lisa Wynne, is a Parkinson's nurse specialist with the Parkinson's Association of Ireland. Also a qualified adult and children's nurse, Lisa has worked in general hospital and community settings and brings with her 10 vital years experience in the Parkinson's field. Anyone who has called the PAI's support line or attended one of our educational webinars will be familiar with her calm and practical approach to navigating the changing landscape of this disease. You're very welcome to the podcast. Thank you, you, Marie. I feel like I've known you forever, but this is my first time meeting you. I know, face to face. I know, I know. I mean, you have been a a life, a game changer and a lifesaver for me with your Parkinson's uh, videos and your your webinars and your support line, which we're all going to talk about in a moment. But what I'd like to do is just get um, an overall idea of your extensive experience, because you have 10 vital years experience, like we've said, which is a rare commodity in Ireland. So how did you get into Parkinson's as a specialism? I fell into it, if I'm honest. Okay. Um, so I was working with a private healthcare company and I was a nurse advisor for training and education for injections in the home. So mm-hmm. I would go out, train them patients on medications for post-chemo, um, for kidney disease, mm-hmm. for osteoporosis. And I was approached and asked, would I go and do training for an advanced Parkinson's therapy? Um, I had just come from pediatrics, so I worked mm-hmm. in Crumlin Hospital. Um, so Parkinson's wasn't really on my radar. Mm-hmm. But I went, I did the training, and then I started working with the team. Um, so there was initially three of us covering the whole country for this one Parkinson's therapy. Wow. Um, Covering from Dublin, we would have been nationwide. So it'd have been Cork at least once a week. Yeah. Um, and then when the two staff that I joined with, they left. Um, and it was myself and then new staff. So I had to train them up um, yeah. with the help of a manager. It was great. And it was it was more advanced Parkinson's. So it was okay. those who had had medication for a number of years and just weren't getting the same benefit out of it. And their symptoms were much more progressive that went on this therapy. Um, so it was, it was good. It was great experience. It was in the hospital. It was mm-hmm. seeing people in their home, which was yeah. nice. Yeah. Um, even if they are on the side of a mountain, in yeah. the back of Connemara, it was, yeah. it, it was great. Um, but then I, I'd had, I suppose, enough of the driving yeah. because we would have covered from Dublin, Dingle and back in oh one day. Gosh. Oh so my gosh. Okay. Dingle or Donegal and back in one day was a lot of driving. Lot. And I just lot. said, you know, after COVID, drivers appeared to get worse. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to be on the road as much. And I took a little bit of a break. And then the job came up from Parkinson's Association. So I applied yeah. and I got it, which is brilliant because it works very well with a life a work-life balance so and I mean we were only talking about it earlier and I always think of you when um I'm watching your webinars and I think how does she do all of these webinars 
and also serve the community like you do. So it seems like a lot. So can, um, but it's, it's like you said, there, there isn't the driving. So, um, it's, it's a bit easier on, on you in yeah, terms of much that. easier in that way. Um, so I suppose I work from home. Um, I'm in the office a That's little great. bit yeah. and then I do branch meetings. So I'll go to talks in local branches around the country okay. um, or at different conferences that we hold. I go down and do talks. So there's not maybe once a month, twice a month I do. I'm on the road. So what would your role be specifically for people who aren't um, familiar with it? Because just to give people context, there aren't many specialist nurses for Parkinson's in Ireland. No. So you're one of how many? There's seven full time at the moment, okay. as far as I'm aware. And there are there is another um, for 12,000 patient people with Parkinson's. Yes. Yeah. If not 15. If not 15. Yeah. yeah. So if we're, if we're going with kind of the newer figures, they say 15,000 with Parkinson's really? in Ireland. Okay. So there is there is more nurses being recruited, okay. um, which is great. So there are new nurses coming on. Um, Cork have got the newest nurse, as far as I'm aware yes. of. Yes. Um, so it's good. And it's more support. Yeah. And I would have worked with them in my old role. So I Did know you? the nurses around okay. the country, which really helps. Um, but my role with the Parkinson's Association is education and support. Mm-hmm. And most of it is done through the support line. Okay. So Tell this, us about that. I'm really... I, well, I've used it before, but I really want you to communicate to people how important it is. Um, it's, it's crucial. It yeah. really is. And it, so if you ring the support line, you get through to the national office um, and you can get advice and booklets and information sent out to you from the national office. And you can ask to speak to the nurse, which mm-hmm. is myself. Yeah. Um, or you can ask to speak to a dietitian because we also have yeah. a dietitian working with us. Oh, very, um, so you very can get callbacks from yeah. a dietitian as well. So, but a lot of the calls have come through to me. Yeah. Um, and I would speak to people who are newly diagnosed yeah. a day even, yeah. um, or people who've been diagnosed for 10 years and never speak to anybody. Wow. Um, so the more awareness that's out there, the more people pick up the phone and that's yeah. definitely evident. Um, I know after your um show yeah um that we had a few people pick up the phone and even after the radio interview they picked up the phone and mm-hmm. they had never spoken to anyone and they said actually i heard the interview and it, it made me pick up the phone and ring so through the support line when i first started i had about 30 to 40 calls in the first two months wow. a month okay that was it yeah. last week i had over 40 calls wow um in one That's week significant and it does fluctuate yeah um but it's a significant increase but it's good because yeah. that means that the word is getting out there yeah. um, and more people are picking up the phone. I would also do follow up calls. Yeah. So I would ring if I'm concerned or if I want to ring somebody and just follow up after information has been sent out to them, then mm-hmm. I'll ring them two weeks later and just touch and base again. Is there a particular caller profile? No, actually. Yeah. Um, so I would speak to young onset, okay. diagnosed a week, diagnosed mm-hmm. a day, um, men and women. Okay. Um, I would also speak to people who are maybe caring for family members who might be in their yeah. 80s. Yeah. Um, and would, they might have had Parkinson's for 20 years. Um, mm. And then I speak to health professionals as well. So around the country, health professionals who might have an interest in Parkinson's or looking for information, um, they would ring and I'd speak to them as well. So, which is good because that's yeah. increasing the awareness as well around health professionals. Yeah. And I think that's, it's key for, for health professionals who don't maybe have the level of specificity to be able to revert to yeah. you. Yeah. Unless they have an interest in it, they don't, yeah. there's no education. So there's yeah. nothing in college that would, you would say gave you an education yeah. in Parkinson's or when working on the wards, when I worked in, um, Dublin 
hospital for three years after I qualified. I remember people coming in with Parkinson's, but nobody sat down and explained anything about the medications or so if the education's not there then and the interest isn't there, then they don't need to know really at the time. Um, but if they knew how important it was, or if they had a little bit of knowledge, it would be huge advantage. So tell us about, you, you mentioned medication, and the reason why it struck a chord with me is because that was the first, when I first called yeah. you, it was around my medication because I was experiencing um, some wonkiness in my symptoms. And I was, you know, ruminating, and my mother said, you're a member of the PAI, don't they have a support line? I was like, yeah, they do. And she goes, well, <laughs> would you think Bring of calling it? it. <laughs> um, and you were the one who talked me through my medication and I realized I wasn't taking it properly. I wasn't giving the adequate amount of space between um, meals and yeah. taking my medication. So is this a common misconception in Parkinson's? So I'm more surprised when people do know that okay. you're meant to leave a gap between your medication, certain medication and food. It's a huge knowledge gap, can you think of it's it? It's huge, yeah. but it's, a, it's critical. It's a critical, critical part of how the tablets yeah. work. Um, I'm much more surprised and people say, well, I'm on the tablet six years and nobody told yeah. me that. And wow. that's another bit of, I suppose, work that needs to be done on for health professionals mm -hmm. is make sure the information is given when you get a prescription that it's given either by the consultant or by a pharmacist yeah. um, and that you're not just given a prescription and then don't know what to do or what times to take it at. Yeah. Three times a day, I know somebody that took the three first thing in the morning because they weren't aware that you had to space it out throughout oh the day. So that would be what I deal with, I suppose, most of the time with newly diagnosed. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I'm more shocked when they're told how they should be taking the tablets. Yeah. Um, and look, if that if it makes a difference to people, even if it's only five, ten percent difference that they're correcting their medication around the food, timing of food, well, then it's, it's another five or 10% extra towards optimizing your tablets. But you made a huge difference um, twofold for me, both in the timing of my food, but also in the timing of my monthly cycle, yeah. which I had, like I was experiencing augmentation, my symptoms, yeah. unaware that, they you know, linked. yeah, they were yeah. linked. And it was such, it's what I find with the support line is just the aha moment that you have, the relief that you can feel. Like, and it's just for people at home, it's 1-800-359-359. And that will be in the show notes as well um, for anyone who wants to call. And do you need to be a member of the Parkinson's Association? No, you don't need to be a, a member to call and to ask for a nurse call back. Okay. Um, I suppose in a way I encourage people to look into joining yeah. the association. Yeah. Um, because there's huge advantage to having the information for magazines, for newsletters or yeah. e-zines that you get information. And I send out a weekly email with different webinars that are going on and stuff like that. And what my next topic of my next Zoom would be on a yeah. Thursday. On a Thursday. Um, I'm trying to remember what day. <laughs> Thursday at 11. Thursday at 11. Yeah. It's in my calendar. Um, I should never forget that. Um, so it's really important to have that and to have that support. But for some people, Amory, it's a step that they're just not ready to make. Yeah. Um, that they just feel that it's too much, too overwhelming. Um, I had a conversation with uh, Kate Wilkinson. She was on the podcast yeah. and she had said to me about people who are like afraid to, to come mm. out of, of the closet. We were talking about yeah. that, come out of the medical closet and maybe share um, a, a diagnosis in particular if the diagnosis isn't yours it's your it's your adjacent to it it might be your yeah. spouse 
Um, and I was saying, I really think the, the PAI is quite crucial as a support group um, because it's that middle ground. Yeah. It's that safe space where if you want to check things out and yeah. you want to look at a webinar and you want to, you know, you don't have to be a member. You can nope. look through all the information on the site and and then kind of, you know, maybe join Get that knowledge base together. Yeah. It's just the like crucial that, bit at the, the beginning. crucial bit. Yeah. Before you make that critical step yeah. of sharing with people. And I would have people that ring that are maybe waiting for a diagnosis. So they mightn't even be diagnosed yeah. with Parkinson's yet or concerns that they have maybe husbands or wives that have family members that do think that they have Parkinson's, but how do they approach it? Or yeah. they they know that the diagnosis is there and how do they go, they go about talking about it with them? So yeah. it's every yeah. aspect emotional social yeah. there's there's it's, it's like a 360 yeah. isn't it every country so it's not just yeah. ireland i get calls from people who live wow, abroad really? saying my my parents live in ireland or we live in ireland my parents live in switzerland yeah so, yeah over can you all talk, countries can you talk to me about invisible symptoms and non-motor symptoms which i find um i suppose when i was first diagnosed I, my main symptom was tremor, although I had stiffness and rigidity and I had, you know, restless legs, but then I had things like insomnia, fatigue, pain, um, all these things that nobody sees, but are far more egregious. Yeah. I would think that the non-motor, so yes, people will ring me and say that they might have a tremor or they might have the slowness, but actually they're not the main issues that they mm -hmm. have. Sleep is a huge issue. Sleep. Yeah. And I did a survey last year just asking, and it was really because I was new to the role and I wanted to see what the main to topics or symptoms were that were affecting people and sleep was the top issue. So 70% yeah. said that sleep was an That's issue. Incredible. So it's getting to sleep, staying to sleep, staying to sleep, staying, <laughs> staying asleep. Exactly. Um, and then tiredness during the day as well, because it can be yeah. a side effect of the medication. And I have to take this at what time in 10 minutes? Ta I'll uh, remind you. Dopa, <laughs> yeah, it's here to remind me. Extreme um, daytime sleepiness. Daytime sleepiness, yeah. I was talking to, um, I might have been you, and um, I'm, I was trying to think. It was, I think it was, yeah. Um, was it about yeah. the extreme daytime yeah. sleepiness? And we're talking about distraction. Um, and the best way is distracting go. yourself, yeah. get up, move around, yeah. grab a cup of coffee. Um, and also distraction for things like anxiety, because I was suddenly exper experiencing anxiety as an artifact of the new medication that I'm on. Yeah. Um, and it was very new to me and you were, the, you were, again, you just clarified things. You were like, okay, when do you take your medication? You've hit peak dose. Yeah, it'll when happen it? for 20 minutes. So this is what you can do, do something. for 20 minutes. <laughs> and I like, so I'm like, okay, peak dose when I feel my heart homework. start racing. Homework. Homework. <laughs> I get up, I start, you know, yeah. um, cleaning the house. I do anything to distract myself until that feeling has subsided. Has subsided. Yeah. And it's, I look, anxiety, I speak to, say, I have 10 people on a call or on the phone in the day. I would say nine out of those 10 would have some level of anxiety. Really? Um, yeah. And it comes hand in hand with Parkinson's. I suppose my old role, because it was more advanced Parkinson's or complex Parkinson's that mm. I was dealing with, I would have seen a huge amount of anxiety. Yeah. But actually speaking to people who are only recently diagnosed, I would see it. Yeah. Um, and anxiety is normal. I always say yeah. that we all should have a level yeah. of anxiety because it is normal, but it's when it has an impact on you day to day mm -hmm. and it stops you from doing stuff. Um, and it's starting to impact your sleep um, that I would say you need to address it in some fashion, be it with your GP or your consultant or the distraction and relaxation. Yeah.
because it does work. The relax relaxation distraction does work. It does. Yeah. It does work. Um, the one question I had that is is about apathy. Uh, like, does that go hand in hand with anxiety and depression? Because it's kind of like a a weird trifecta. Yeah. I've heard of a lot of people that I've spoken to that said they're some of their biggest problems is not just the anxiety, but the apathy that goes with it. So it, it is. And I suppose apathy is a lack of motivation or a lack yeah. of interest. Mm. And it's becoming more known or more spoken about now, even than it would have been when I first started back yeah. in 2021. Yeah. Um, and it's, but it's, it's normal because apathy is lack of motivation yeah. and dopamine is our motivation yeah. chemical. So yeah. if we're, if you're lacking dopamine, you're lacking the motivation chemical. So then you're going to have a lack of motivation and lack of interest in the get up and go, I suppose. And does the distraction relaxation paradigm, does that work for apathy as well? To an extent it might, Yeah. but it really, you have to build a routine and you have to build a structure and set goals. And then once you reach those goals, even if they're only small goals, yeah, that's your reward. So that's increasing the dopamine because you've you've done something, so you're going to be rewarded for it. Yeah. Increase the dopamine, and then you're more motivated then to do something and build on top of it. Yeah. So that's where I say about building the little goals up. Yeah. Um, rather and than setting high small. goals. Yeah, keeping yeah. a small. They're, you're achieving something. I got another small. Yeah. <laughs> I took a shower. A lot of the times it can be yeah. something that seems that simple, but that that can be like an, an Everest for someone who's experiencing such severe anxiety and, and apathy. I would say the psychological symptoms, so the hidden symptoms of Parkinson's are what I deal with for most people on the support line. Yeah, okay. Um, and of course, you were talking about women's health or and Parkinson's we're talking about and then psychological or the me- mental yeah. health side of stuff yeah. there's stigmas related with every single one of them of course so trying to are. break the stigma yeah. of Parkinson's is one job yeah the stigma with menopause Pause. is another job mental health and then mental health yeah. is huge because um, we don't talk about it no so and I if you if you listen to me or if I've had a call with you you'll yeah. know that I talk about it with every single call yeah try and normalize it as such and it makes such a huge difference. And um, what I love about your your style of, of nursing is your the importance you put on personal agency. So can you talk to us about your four-letter acronym, KEES, K-E-E-S? <laughs> that was the, the acronym that came to me at lying in bed at night trying to think because I had, so I had done a presentation before and I think I had knowledge, medication, exercise and then and then power and I was like no that's not going to work how am I going to get something out of this I think I got penguin or something like that I was like okay that's not something and then I I wrote an article for um a neurological campaign and I said ah knowledge education so link the education Mm -hmm. to medication exercise and support and it really is it's about empowering yourself and I know it's people might think well how is that going to make any difference to me but it's proven in research that if you have self-power and empowerment over chronic illness, that your outlook on life, your symptoms are more controlled. Um, and I think it's a huge part, the first one being knowledge. If you gain that little bit of knowledge, that's just enough for the time being, so not yeah. to overwhelm yourself yeah. from yeah. the right sources, that you have that power over it, that you know maybe what to expect or you know what's going on in the background. And that links in then to your medication. So if you yeah. know why you're taking a tablet, or what it does, or why you should take it without yeah, food. Yeah. Simple thing that the levodopa family yeah. it's absorbed in the bowel. So if you eat with it, 
the food will contest with it. Yeah. And if you're if you know that, then you know it should be on an empty stomach. Yeah. So those simple things can prove very effective. Yeah, I agree. Um, and 100%. I don't want people to get too overwhelmed. That's why I do on my calls and I'm t- speaking to somebody who's newly diagnosed. Mm-hmm. I say, look, what do you want to know or what are your main concerns yeah. or your main symptoms? Because I could speak about every topic yeah. for an hour. Yeah. So focus on what you, you want, what information you want at the time, and then go away, read the information, digest what I've told you, and then mm-hmm. we'll follow up in two weeks time. And if there's any other questions, then we can go through them. Because there's, there's so much. Oh, it's like how long is a yeah. piece of string? You don't want to give yeah. too much knowledge for yeah. them to never pick up the phone to me yeah, again. Yeah, be like, I'm done, bye. <laughs> so a little bit is enough. And then, and I do find that people like the follow-ups because yeah. when you go to a consultant and you get your diagnosis or you're you're in for your six-monthly appointment, yeah. you don't see them again for six months. Mm-hmm. And then if you're trying to get them, it's quite difficult. Yeah. So if you have an issue and you put on a tablet, what I always say is, well, look, ring me after the appointment. Yeah. Or ring me before the appointment and we'll go through what you should be bringing up. Yeah. Um, and it works quite well. So that's probably why the calls have gone up. It's that's great. Self-inflicted. Can you talk to me about, um, I'd like to know a bit more about exercise. I spoke about it in my own podcast about um, the importance of exercise. But one thing that always struck me are those who have mobility issues. What exercise would you recommend for somebody who has maybe postural instability and balance and gait issues? So exercise, I can't emphasize how important it is. It's so important. And we have our medications that are prescribed. Mm-hmm. Exercise should be, should be prescribed yeah. as well. Um, but, and a personalized. So what works for you might not work for somebody who does have more motor mm-hmm. issues or more mobility issues. Tai Chi is actually proven to be very good yeah. for some people who do have balance issues, but then it needs to be done on a personalized plan so that you need to have an instructor watching you and instructing you the right way to yeah. do it yeah because it might be too slow for you yeah um hydrotherapy has been proven to be very very effective for parkinson's mm-hmm. and i listened to a talk recently where the physiotherapist that was speaking said that by even getting into the water in it works your lungs and it works your cardiovascular systems so differently like to swimming. being on land sea swimming pool whatever okay. it works your the whole cardiovascular system works differently and your muscles work differently to oh, what it does on land. Okay. Um, a lot of people would find dancing yeah. brilliant for yeah. Parkinson's, whether you have mobility issues yeah. or not, or whether you can dance or not, supposedly. Yeah. Um, I won't be trying. I was about to say, I can't dance. <laughs> no, I can't dance either. Um, so that's also, and I know there's research going on as to how important dance is and how effective it is. And I suppose there is an emotional um element to dance as well it releases yeah. it it's a feel good and you have you know? music to go with it. music yeah. and music is proven to increase your dopamine yeah. levels as well so so getting all yeah. those dopamine highs and you're in you're in a class situation so you have others in community this, yeah, yeah. You have the peer support speaking of which um when you talk about support loneliness must be a really big issue for people with parkinson's and do you think a lot of this is due to um not reaching out or the fears that come with like the stigma, as you said, whether it's social stigma, um, you know, being stigmatized in your job. Um, It can be very, I'd imagine for those who haven't come out, you know, medically, um, that's a big burden to keep both on a physical, if you have physical manifestations and an emotional level. It's so, and I suppose it's, telling groups of friends or telling family that people struggle with yeah. because they don't want to be perceived in a different way. They don't want yeah. to be poor, poor me or poor you. How are you feeling? Or how mm. are you? That 
that's what I hear back that people do not want that question yeah. asked. So therefore they hide it and they hide yeah. it for longer. Um, but people may pick up on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially if you're trying to mask a tremor. Oh, tell me about it. So how do you mask a tremor <laughs> when you know it's there and it's getting worse and you're thinking yeah. about it more, but you're also trying to hide it then from people around you? Um, Before I was diagnosed, I used to shove my hands in my pockets and it was around COVID. So there wasn't a lot to do. So, you know, you'd be walking around the, the shopping center because Tesco was open there. So that was my excitement. daily walk. Yeah, the excitement <laughs> of walking to Tesco. But I always had my hands shoved in my yeah. pockets or I'd have my hands underneath my armpits because or... I, I was throwing so many shapes, you know, because there was almost a relief in being diagnosed because at least I knew. Um, but it was there. It's kind of scary. Yeah. 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 And uh, and it's a lot of people. And actually, I, I know if I speak to people who isolate themselves. So, yes. Even yeah. Young onset. Yeah. They won't go meet friends or they won't do what they would have normally done because they're afraid of people picking up on the symptoms. Yeah. And and I suppose in a way. COVID did allow that because mm-hmm. you didn't have to meet people. You, you weren't allowed, to. first yeah. of all, and then you didn't have to. You yeah. could say no. Um, so that kind of enabled it for some yeah. people. And then there was a period of time after COVID where I think people were quite institutionalized and they were, still weren't going out. You know, we thought this there was going nice to be an to onslaught the to the pubs. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I should like my sofa. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I actually don't want to get dressed. I'm okay in my leggings. So, um, you, I mean, clearly are, have been such a huge help to people and are a huge help to people on a daily basis. What are the tools you use to live your best life and how do you separate kind of church and state, so to speak, and get your own needs met? <laughs> I have to switch off. So yeah. I do switch off at five-ish, six-ish in the evening. Yeah. Um, I have a young family, so they yeah. keep me busy enough and they're my distraction. Yeah. Um, not my relaxation tool, but their distraction. <laughs> You're um, half and actually what I started doing at night, because I suppose there's so much with my job. So there there is media, there's mm-hmm. the the support line, there's talks, um, there's networking with different pharma companies and stuff like that as well. So there's a lot in my role apart from the support line. And I have to switch off at nighttime, but to do that I write a list. So I started yeah. keeping a book by my bed that I started writing this in and then I switch off and it's gone. Everything that I've been thinking yeah. is gone in the book. And then I switch off at nighttime. Um, a lot of the time I do probably get out of the walk for a walk in the evening. Yeah. Cause I find it's a good headspace. Um, yeah. I'll try and book holidays, but sure that doesn't happen. That often. That's my, yeah, yeah, that's my way of decompressing, uh, decompressing. I suppose. Yeah. So two more things before we go, what's the most important thing you've learned through your experience as a Parkinson's nurse? And the second one, from somebody who gives advice, you, <laughs> what's the best advice you've ever been given? Um, so I suppose something that I've learned that I would have known along the way, but it's really much more concrete now for me. Two things. One is that every single person with Parkinson's is different. Yeah. And that I would have said it and I would have repeated it. But actually now that I'm dealing with a much bigger number of people that are contacting me, so from the hundred odd people that I would have had on the therapy that I worked with before, I have obviously 40 odd people reaching me every week. Yeah. Um, but they're all different. Yeah. Um, but what comes with that is the psychological symptoms seem to come with most people. Wow. And that I knew was there before in the more complex mm-hmm. Parkinson's cases, but it's very much there in every stage. Okay. Um, 
that and and women's i suppose i would have i would have had the occasional contact with people before women before who had parkinson's were of the age of perimenopause mm -hmm. and then they would have been or might not have been listened to by their consultant um but definitely changes every month um in their symptoms yeah um and I think the more we look into that, the more interesting it's going to be and the change in hormones yeah. and everything like that and that progress. Yeah. Um, the best advice? Uh, relax, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I'm quite a, well, I'm quite a laid back person anyway. Yeah. Um, but sometimes you just need to take a full step back and reassess everything and a few deep breaths. And I say that in everything, in every bit of work that I yeah. talk to on the phone. Like telling you when, when that know. period is coming yeah. that you know you're getting anxious, go do something. Yeah. Um, go for a walk or try and relax. And a walk is a relaxation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like everybody thinks that there's only the physical sides to exercise. I try and emphasize how much you can get psychologically. Like there's we need to boost everything. We need to boost the happy hormone of dopamine. Yeah. And the happy hormone of serotonin. Um, so it's, yeah. I it's, clean my hot press. I fold the towels. I find that very relaxing. Okay. Are you available? <laughs> Lisa, thank you so much for joining us today on the po podcast. Where can people find you online? So www.parkinsons.ie mm -hmm. um, or contact the National Office on 1-800-359-359. That's brilliant. This has been the last episode of Living Your Best Life. I hope you've enjoyed this short but sweet podcast series with the Irish Examiner to mark Parkinson's Awareness Week. For more episodes like this, you can find us at Living Your Best Life of Parkinson's Podcasts on irishexaminer.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Bye for now.